This podcast series is not meant for retail investors, but instead is meant for financial advice and investment professionals. Please refer to IMAP's website, imap.asn.au, for more details. Welcome to this podcast in the IMAP Independent Thought Series. Today, I'm joined by Will Riggle and Matthew Rankin. Will is the Chief Investment Officer of Climb Investment Management, and Matt is a Director and Private Client Advisor with James Street Advisors. Perhaps, Will, to start, would you be able to explain to us a little bit the relationship between Climb and James Street and how that works? Sure. And, and thank you for, David, having us on. And um, look, Matt and I have done this a couple of times before. We um, were on a panel at the Madison uh, conference when we were in Auckland last year. So hopefully, uh, for those that may have been there, we don't rehash too much of what we talked about. But um, it's probably worthwhile, yes, me giving a bit of uh, background around um, our climate investment management, uh, its relationship with James Street Wealth, where Matt is the principal there. Um, Matt, um, Matt originally uh, came to us from South Africa, as you'll probably hear within his accent, and um, <laughs> and was known to a few parties within uh, Climb. And I guess I guess what we wanted to do was uh, I guess you know, look to see if we can grow together. Really, so James Street Wealth is a um, there's a joint venture in place between Climb and James Street Wealth, and but a lot of that um, collaboration is based around. Um, the understanding and the view that there's a lot of value that can be extracted um, and efficiencies, uh, not just for the practice, but also around the trust and transparency that is that you can get from managed accounts and how you use them uh, to service not just the retail clients, but also wholesale in that high net worth space. So, yeah, that's why Matt's here today. Um, other than that, he's a He's a friend, and uh, but also he's a great speaker. So look forward to hearing some of his insights. Excellent. And uh, Matt, I mean, IMAP's actually been doing a bit of a survey of high net worth businesses lately and looking at you know, different ways people serve them, what the needs are and so on. So would you say that high net worth or wholesale clients tend to have different needs to the, the retail or those with smaller amounts of money, or how do you treat high net worth clients? Um, David, I think that for high net worth individuals, they, they tend to have a lot of a lot of similarities with um, an average retail client. Um, at the core of what we do is still advice and actually listening to what they need and want. I think the difference with high net worth individuals is that there's probably more of a focus around working with them as opposed to helping guide them with too many decisions. So with the high net worth individuals, they, they really want to be involved in each step of the process, have that transparency and have that control in those outcomes. And I think further to that, there's probably another layer of complexity that, that we do tend to find. So the tax management side of it, multiple structures, how that all comes together, how cash moves in between entities, that's sort of magnified in that high net worth space. Um, so the similarities are that the clients want advice, they want reassurance, they want someone to lean on. Um, the differences are that it's probably more, it's magnified and it's a little bit more complex. So we tend to approach it in a similar way. If a client walks in the front door, are they either retail or wholesale, we start off the same way, we capture a lot of the same information, but the path we go on from there um, 
it changes a little bit depending on the complexity and the needs. Yeah, Matt, what I find really interesting about how Matt go, goes about um, working with, and there's such a great point, it's working with these high net worth individuals, is that um, the actual start of the process around how he gets an understanding of the needs and the wants of that client is very similar to the same to the process he undertakes within the retail client. And that uh, understanding and that discovery piece can really help him uh, be able to add that value along the way. So for us, um, well, Matt and I have worked closely together uh, on a number of clients and, and working with him around where can we support his business and his client value proposition um, from being as efficient as possible on the service delivery of the of an investment solution. And it's not just about, and, and that is valued across retail and wholesale. And then it's absolutely that value um, that a good advisor such as Matt is able to deliver through it's the structuring. So working with them on the efficiencies and outcomes, maximising it, um, that true value of advice is where uh, the home worth where space really appears to be getting its value from. And Will, is it, how do you sort of fit the investment part, I guess, within a climb as well? That's the other side of this, I suppose. I mean, they've got the advice business, that there's other parts of climb investment and, and there's the funds you run. How, how does that work? Is that complex? The, I think uh, we've probably started a bit complex, but more and more we're just focusing on um, the core IP within Klein. So there was always advice within the group. Uh, there's Klein Private Wealth, which runs about um, $500 million, uh, for wholesale high net worth clients. And then with the purchase of Madison by Climb a couple of years ago, it really increased the focus that the group has and the understanding that we have around that advice value chain. So on the investment piece, um, what probably where a lot of our focus and growth has been in the last year or so, broadly aligned with myself joining the group, bringing the Rolton Asset Management business, which was uh, is known to IMAP very well, but um, focuses on that SMA area is that is essentially the value that an advice group can bring to, uh, sorry, a licensee can bring to an advice group around supporting um, that advice group in delivering its goals, It's whether it's the, the audits or the X plan or the, the technology environment and an investment solution is a key piece of that value chain around it. So we've been um, working pretty hard over the last year around taking the IP that we have within the direct equity piece some of the multi-asset and strategic um, offerings that we've had through time and then putting them together and packaging them up. And that's through um, SMA on platform and then we've got IMA, which is off platform. And, it's, yeah, it's a really interesting piece and Matt actually uses both of those and it's how we specifically work with each client to understand how we can fit the pieces together. And I guess as a last point, it is the pieces. There's more. There's more kind of using the pieces of the puzzle, whether it's Australian Equities International, whether it's through funds or ETFs or direct, uh, and then pulling them together um, to be able to deliver Matt what he needs to uh, build um, to service that client. So do you have a lot of interaction with the advisors and even the clients, Will, from your investment side? I think that is a – it's an intentional um, strategy from Klein. We've always been very 
open communicators. I think that comes from John Amanathi, our, our chairperson, who um, is always looking to educate and, and that, that, that education piece and that, that core principle flows through to how we work with advisors. So there's there we every, every six months, um, myself, John and, and other parts of the team go around the country and educate in open forums but also to our um, high net worth wholesale clients. We feel that is very important, that, that direct client contact. Um, but we work with our uh, advisors as and when they need us. But I guess a focus for us and where we have invested uh, significantly in our marketing and collateral to support them as they go so they can take the information if and when they need it for their client reviews. I think, David, just to sort of echo that and further it a little bit is, you know, the, the resource that I have available to me is I have all of the skills and expertise of um, Will and his team and Climb and their team. Um, we are the client facing and we use those expertise to be able to convey and relay the way we manage investments efficiently. And I think the beauty of it is that we've got as much access to them as we need. That gives me a really, really valuable resource to be able to provide the right service, particularly to those high net worth individuals. So I think that along with the regular touch point um, through the view that comes out and through the roadshows, it gives clients a, a sense of comfort on who's managing the money and how it's being looked after. Matt, I think that's um, the, the word you use there is that, that comfort, and it's um, it's the same. It's we talk about what's the difference between high net worth and and um, and the broader, you know, people who access superannuation that need to um, feel that someone's watching their investments, you know, and has as much focus on them and care for them as they do themselves. That level of trust allows them to then, you know, live their life. Um, if they're in retirement, they can. Um, someone's watching for when things change, will be reactive. And I guess that's the key, one of the key benefits of that managed accounts environment is that we can be responsive. We do have the discretion to move the portfolio as and when uh, we see fit, um, when, when the world changes or a stock stock has changed as well. So we think that's really important, but it's that, that core level of trust is really the same across um, retail and wholesale. And we kind of feel it's on us as an investment team to have the insights available for the advisor when they need it. So it actually helps us uh, be less reactive. So we're not being called upon it at different times. If we're actually comfortable to be more transparent, there's value for the advisor, but also allows us to be more focused on the day-to-day, which is getting the stocks and the positioning and the asset allocation right for our for the end um, result to be where it needs to be. Uh, it's interesting you, you use the word comfort and I, I don't know, Matt or, or Will, what you think about this, but I know one of the th- things we heard when we went around talking to people about high net worth clients, particularly the, the sort of ultra high net worth even, was that they're often more conservative, more concerned with not losing their money. Someone sort of described it to me as, you know, if you've made 50 million and sold your business, you want to make sure it doesn't disappear. Whereas if you've got a few hundred thousand, you need to grow it. Yeah, I think um, I might just hop in on this one. Um, I think a large part of it is that, is that they've built their wealth. And one of the key differences I've seen between high net worth individuals and, and more retail sort of clients is that high net worth individuals have intergenerational wealth at the forefront of their mind. 
they want to pass that through to their kids. So they need comfort around two things, and that is who's managing it and how, and they want to make sure that those assets are protected. So a large part of what we do with some of our larger clients is is that wealth transfer. And I think I would say that some of those clients are a little bit more cautious because they do want to pass that through and because they've worked really hard to get to where they are. Um, but the key thing that that we give them comfort around is making sure that there's a succession and those assets are passed through. So that that is one more thing that we do work quite closely with sort of multiple family members for that reason. The other thing, of course, with high net worth clients we hear often is their the interest in the the more exotic, if you like, you know, alternatives, private equity, unlisted things, which don't always fit into the SMAs, the managed accounts and so on. Uh, how do you handle those sort of investments? So we, we typically, David, we run a, a core portfolio, sort of core and satellite approach. Um, so we'll have our core portfolios, typically a multi-asset IMA or SMA. And then we will have satellites outside that lean more towards what a client's trying to achieve. So we we have a, a pretty rigorous process where our, our wholesale APL is researched and, and vetted. And off the back of that, there's select funds that we use in different parts of the market. So personally, I like to use um, some funds that are private equity focused for some younger or more growth focused clients. Um, and then we have some, some yield focused investments that sit outside of the traditional asset class and sit more along sort of credit lines and that, those sort of funds. Um, and I think that's, that's something that high net worth individuals do want. They don't just want vanilla. They want a little bit more. So I think we work quite closely with them to make sure that that what we're recommending is, line, is in line with the core of what they want to achieve. But in order to do that efficiently and to give myself sort of comfort, we go through quite a rigorous um, wholesale APL process with Madison. So they do a lot of the research and due diligence, and only then are we sort of looking at those funds and seeing what fits the client's needs. That's right. The way he talks about us as a core satellite is really important. Um, when we we essentially build a lot of those simple type building blocks, not, not, not everyone thinks they're simple, but, but I guess the less exotic around the the core asset classes of Australian equities, international equities, um, perhaps some, some property sleeve uh, in there as well. But as you move towards infrastructure, perhaps some of the less liquid property and um, made maybe a portion of the credit, there's a real uh, opportunity there to, to offer something different Offer offer something that they that they wholesale client the high net worth client isn't usually able to access that so very much when I talked about building blocks it's around delivering the core components as building blocks high transparency and that's still very much uh, valued by the high net worth but then being able to build out those sleeves of alternatives um, so yes Matt was right and it's great that we talk about it they do still have to be approved on the, there's an APL process of course but within those areas it's really for us it's around partnering so partnering with those global players with people with groups um, who are doing really interesting things and structuring Um, but what we're also doing a lot more of is actually supporting our advisors in um, 
I guess, supporting the relationship with the client. So when we're able to access some of these more interesting assets, it's great to actually be able to work with our um, some of the groups such as Centuria and um, ProInvest and some of these groups that we're doing more and more work with to actually go and see the assets, to touch and feel them. So we put um, about six clients on a plane um, out to Armidale to see um, one of the assets um, agricultural-like infrastructure and to head out there and actually see them and feel them, that experience, that knowledge that it, these are tangible things that they can be a part of is really valued. So I guess the important part is there's always the investment piece, there's Matt's um, advice engagement, but then what's really important is just that unique experience as well and that's something that client will be focusing more and more on over the next few years. Mm, that's an interesting one, getting the clients to actually go out and, and touch and feel. That's, that's something different, yeah. The other topic, gents, that comes up a lot these days, of course, is ESG. And to some extent, we seem to hear often that, you know, it's in the headlines and everyone should be doing it. But I'm curious, obviously, Will, from your point of view, how much a part of the process it is. But Matt, maybe also, how keen are the clients? How many clients do you find come in and, and say that it's very important for them? Is, is it becoming a bigger thing? Maybe, Matt, you can talk from the client point of view first, I guess. Yeah, I'll um, be relatively brief on that, I think, David. Um, my, my experience is that my typical client who's sort of pre- and post-retiree, it's maybe not at the forefront as much as it is with younger clients. Um, in a past life, I worked with a lot of younger doctors, and they in particular love the ESG-focused and love that conversation piece. But my typical clients, I think, are... They're, they're a little bit more comfortable with having a more balanced exposure. While they do like a bit of an ESG slant and they like a bit of practice around uh, ESG practice, it's not the forefront. They, they really want to get the nuts and bolts of the solutions right first and then that may be a sort of add-on. So it's probably not that um, consistent, I suppose, across our client base. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. And Will, from the investment side, is it something you sort of feel more pressure to to do these days to consider, or? Um, well, we don't really uh, think about it as though pressure. We, we our group has been um, focused on an integration of ESG and, and and all three components to that, and the way that we evaluate uh, the investments that we do. It's a key part of our, of our Australian equity investment process. Um, and so the ESG rating system that we maintain internally is extremely important. We've recently elevated uh, one of our groups, um, one of our team members, Vincent Chin, who's a, who's a doctor to actually head of sustainability. So it's an area that we're focusing on a lot. But, but Matt's right that there's a it's important for it to be considered. People don't want to um, have their investments go against the values so you don't want a clash point but whether or not um, it's actually you building pure ESG portfolios and whether there's a big market for that very much we're, we're about not having people have their values undermined by the investments therein but but that research function within our team we're actually finding a lot of positive opportunities. not so much about what you don't own at the moment. It's about accessing those really high growth opportunities 
um, as we look forward, the, the longer-term themes that we look for, decarbonisation, uh, the EV, really does play into some of the, the opportunities we, we're seeing come in front of us with regards to some of the um, commodities, commodity plays that you can find within the ASX, uh, but also a lot of the opportunities from the amount of capex and expenditure that needs to go into these these changes. So, yeah, it's changed a lot about what you can do with ESG inside. It's a lot more growth-focused than risk-focused at the moment, which is quite an exciting component. And I think, um, David, just further to that as well, it is although we don't have a focus around ESG at the forefront with a lot of clients, there are still some clients that that's very important. So to have the ability to look at funds that that fit that mold and particularly through the individually managed account type structure, um, that, that gives us the flexibility to be able to, to service and look after what's important to those types of clients as well. Mm. Okay. That's interesting. So, you know, ESG is providing opportunities as, as well as things to avoid. Maybe to finish off, Matt, maybe just a bit more on the client side, probably more more for you. Um, I mean, you started off, you, you explained, you know, that the high net worth clients can be a bit more complex, have different structures and, and so on. Presumably that involves a lot more work from the advice side, but is it does it compensate in terms of fees, the, the amount of, of funds you get in from them? Is it... You know, are they, are they sort of more work, but more money balances it off? How how do you see that compared to the retail clients? Yeah, I think um, David, one one thing that was quite important for me when we started this business was making sure that we took on the right type of clients, and we we're a little bit particular with that. So, what that allowed us to do is have a really high level of service for those clients because we knew that ultimately the remuneration was in line with that. But one of the other things that that I do believe is that I really like to engage with other professionals that are within a client sphere. So we engage with their accountant, we engage with their solicitor, we engage with the investment team. So ultimately, they do some of that heavy lifting because everybody wants that best outcome for the client. So we like to work with them quite closely. So when I say we do a lot of work around the, the structuring and, and the asset management and the tax, I do that with their professionals so that we are as efficient as possible. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. But a key part of it is that we went through quite a strong vetting process on what type of clients we want to take on and how we can best service them. And we make sure that the remuneration is in line with what's palatable for us to go the extra mile for those clients constantly. So I think that balance was pretty important to get right in the beginning. So we do do an extra layer of work a lot of the time. But yes, we are rewarded by having the right clients that generate the right revenue for us. Yeah. So it, it's a team effort, basically, I guess, then. Oh, that very right? much so. Involved uh, with all their other advisors and yeah. so on. Yeah. I think I think that's, that's a really important thing is that a lot of advice practices that I've come across or where I started even, you were a little bit dear to, to giving up control of anything. Um, and you, you didn't really want to lean on all those people in case there was a conflict or there was a viewpoint that was different to yours. And what I've learned in the last sort of 10 years of being in this space is that it's incredibly valuable to use the other professionals and the other trusted people that they liaise with. That's, it just gives best outcome for the client. And I think that's the real opportunity in Australia at the moment, David. There, there is... 
no doubt everyone's seen the the data points around the wealth that's been created over over uh, you know through the um, I guess the last many decades, but um, but it's a how that a lot of them are, are currently really not very well advised. So what Matt's talking about is not just being a conduit for an investment solution or stock picking, but actually the aggregator and someone who can help build that almost in a family office type sense, help them transition and manage their wealth, not to this generation, but the next. So uh, it's a change of mindset as an investment professional and certainly a bit different from running a, just a pure fund. You know, with, with managed accounts, it's very much a business type um, relationship and we, we feel as though we're just one of the supporting um, um, people within the ecosystem that Matt uses uh, to deliver that value for the client. And it's great to see that that advice is valued you know, when, when Matt's able to get the remuneration and and the um, value for the, the advice he's giving, I think it's certainly worthwhile um, for those clients. That's great. Look, um, that's been a really good discussion. Thank you both. So it just remains for me to thank Matt Rankin and Will Riggle for their contribution to the podcast today. And just a reminder that we have the IMAP Advice in Action conference coming up soon. We'll be in Melbourne on the 18th of July, Sydney the 20th, and Brisbane the 25th of July. These conferences focus on advice businesses, how they can stay relevant, and how to attract tomorrow's clients while servicing existing clients. Registration is open now, so please go to the IMAP website to register or to find more information on speakers and topics. Mm -hmm.